Well, hey, how's it going? Welcome back to you because you're better now and you're alive and it's good to be. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. It's good to be back. I think, you know, it's been crazy. I think the last, since the last video we made here on OTXNT, uh, you and I have both gone through COVID now. So you're seen worse than mine. Um, but still, you know, well, it's because I'm are. so much older than you. You know, it That's affects right. the elderly like myself. But <laughs> it's true. It hits older people worse than, uh, than us young people. Don't you forget it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Well, so, hey, it's been too long, man. I've missed this. And I know I still get people like, hey, when are you going to drop the next one? So it's been good to bring it back. We're back in the regular thing. And we will. We've got people we need to bring in to some guests this time. So not today. You're stuck with just you and me. But um, but yeah, man, I am. I'm ready to hit our discussion. You want to tee us up, talk to kind of set up what we're doing today? Yeah, so we thought it would be fun to discuss uh, worship, uh, music, and in particular, uh, the hymnal, hymnody, and uh, what you know, what is that relic of old? I I found one in preparation. Um, you know, this used to be well recognized, and I've talked to young people today that they, they don't know what that is, and it's they're just- found in the closets of Baptist churches <laughs> because we can't get rid of them because we don't know how to get rid of them. Yeah, it's. It's They're almost there. elevated to scripture in that sense. Like, how do you dispose of old Bibles? And I, I, a lot of our uh, parishioners feel um, the same way about the hymnal. It's uh, it's almost sacred in that sense. So I, I think it's a fun discussion to have. And um, I, I found some different articles of people saying we need to bring these back or, you know, um, so just really a discussion of Christian worship and where the, the hymnal or the song base uh, plays a role. Um, you want to open up in prayer and then we'll just go for it. Yeah, you start us off, man. All right. Uh, Join me in the the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so you, you know, did you grow up with with the hymnal in the pews or, you know, seats? (sighs) Um, so here's the deal. Even yeah. though, you know, my I, my family has been thoroughly Baptist in upbringing because I did not grow up in America and was on the field. Uh, we were in a lot more of a non-denominational setting. So, you know, when you grow up in another country, you're there's not many like English speaking Baptist churches. So I I truly grew up, especially in my worship setting of like right in the, you know, with the all of what we would say is kind of the, you know, the early, you know, uh, modern worship songs, right? So when, when people talk about the 7-Eleven songs, like that was where a lot of that was and what I grew up with. I mean, I remember as a kid, my job a lot of the time before I became a drummer to do it was, you know, when uh, when we had the overheads. The transparency. I would have, yeah. You know, I had the little <laughs> sheet, the transparency, and I was the one with the paper on top of it and then would show each line. Right. So that was my role for a little while at the little uh, little non-denominational multicultural English speaking churches that we went to um, on Fridays and Saturdays. Those were the well, not the Saturday. That was a little larger Friday night for sure. Yeah, it's it's so fun because uh, we, you know, our generation lived the transition uh, and, you know, the high tech cool thing was an overhead projector and you oh, know yeah. the, the transparencies and 
um, yeah, you're the physical, uh, space bar pusher now, right. You know, you're, you're, you're sliding and exactly. Um, and then you might have a, uh, you might even preach and draw on the transparencies with colored markers, right. You know, the- those were awesome. <laughs> so, but I will um, say, but yeah, I mean, so absolutely. Like when I come back now and you know, I would go visit my grandma or whatnot at her church and they had the hymnal back there in, you know, out in Brownsville, Tennessee. And like, there's certain ones that's kind of stuck with me, but in terms of hymns, my knowledge of hymns that has uh, that's not been that great because I just didn't grow up with them, um, you know, living overseas. Well, and I think that that's you know significant. Obviously, right now, churches that that use the hymnal, I think, are in the minority at this point. It's hard to to find them, um, and if you have them, you know, in your church, you're probably still using some kind of projection system or or something, or you know, a lot of churches that weren't using them, they they would actually just print out a bulletin and insert mm-hmm. the lyrics, you know, and and uh, uh, printers and computers made that possible, where you could uh, instead of having a bulky hymnal, you know, just give people the lyrics and increase the font size. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't care that much about this. Every now and then I get on this topic because I'm, I was born old, um, but I, I kind of miss the day of, of hymnals sometimes. And that's just for a number of reasons. And I found a, a few fuddy-duddies online that agree with me. Um, but the reason I miss it uh, or what brought it up recently in my life is I was hanging out with uh, my nieces and nephews and my own kids. And uh, we were preparing really for a funeral and we were trying to figure out what songs to sing for a, a loved family member who had passed. And none of the children knew any of the hymns. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a, one of these things that uh, really struck me because it's not like these were obscure hymns. You know, th- these were, you know, some of uh, God's top 40. Right. Um, and uh, of course, that's a little relative. But but generally speaking, there, there used to be a shared knowledge of uh, church music. Yeah. Uh, and that has really dissolved. And I think that aspect to me is the most cutting uh, problem where you can't have your great grandparents and the great grandkids in the room and, and have any music that's shared between them. And I think that's really um, detrimental uh, to intergenerational worship. And it kind of reveals something also that if we cared, right, if we cared in our churches about intergenerational worship, we would feel this stronger, but most of our churches have sought to create worship services in order to break up the generations. And we're going to target, you know, young people uh, with a service that's going to have music. That's their uh, generational music. And we'll have a service for uh, the older people bringing some Gaither music. And uh, we will, we'll just make sure that everyone's happy. But the reality is that we're really breaking families apart. And uh, we've lost in my mind, something really uh, important. And that's this idea of families coming together, multi-generational worship and having some heart songs of our you know, great grandparents and those that came hundreds of years before us mixed with some of the new music, singing a new song unto the Lord. Um, and uh, I, I think it's just a reflective of, of a problem uh, in, in the modern 21st century church uh, that unless worship is for me, I'm not going to be a part. And, yeah. uh, and I, I don't know. So yeah, react to some of that. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, so that's obviously a problem that I think is even deeper. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, that's a deep <clears throat> problem and it's not like the typical problem that people have with the whole, you know, getting rid of the hymnal. Now I, I will say this, I think um, as we have this discussion, we have to make 
I think we, you and I have to make a distinction that there's really two things that we're trying to say here. Like there's, there's, there's the hymnal book itself, right? That some just say, if we just brought that back, all of our problems, you know, this would solve a lot of it because that's it. And there's the other side of it where what we're saying is at least we're not, when you and I talk, I, I guess we're at least where I'm coming from. My discussion of saying the value of the hymnal is not the value of the Baptist hymnal, but in value of certain hymns. Because as we will kind of go down this, we recognize, I think some of the criticisms that are given against modern worship music, uh, I think is equally valid of the same stuff that we just never saw it because we never sang it, right? But it's there uh, and it's in those hymns. So I would agree there's a there's a lack of, um, of you know, uh, in terms of church trying to split it all to where you have your uh, your you know you you have your your uh, what is it you, you and sometimes if you get three services this is how it typically plays out right you get your traditional where you get all the old people go in they sing the old songs which by the way yeah uh, you know you, you you throw a gaither in you're okay too uh, and then you get your contemporary uh, you know and that's typically depending on how progressive the church is that could be this you know, the, you know, stuff that's still around or stuff that's kind of from, you know, maybe at least a few years back and then you get blended and blended is the stuff that nobody likes. And that's like the early nineties worship as if that'll do it. The old people who didn't like that in the beginning, but they were probably younger because it's, you know, been 20 years now. Uh, like that's kind of like we throw it all together and the blended is kind of like, this is like, no one's happy, you know, um, <laughs> but I think you're right. This, it's a problem that I think is, is in the church in general. And this is for another video, but it's this whole mindset of there's nothing for me, right? Like it, it's not about you. It's not about you in terms of the age graded Bible study that you know, you're looking for. It's not about you on terms of the, the songs that we're singing. And yet the criticism that I think can eat, you know, I, you know, as I work with a lot of college students, I see that that attitude so much of there's nothing here for me. But yet at the same time, you realize we see a lot of that with our older folks, too, of this is not this is not what I like. This is not my. And so we do the same thing. That same attitude is there in our modern American churches of um, th this is not for me. This isn't my style, that kind of thing. And and really those conversations, we, we I think we should be the way that we talk about worship music should be beyond style. Um, it needs to be in something else, right? We need to have that conversation on, I, I think we should say, okay, so what is it about hymns that make us think that we should bring back a hymn, right? What is wrong with where we're at today? And I think that's probably a good way to start, right? Is, okay, what, what is, what's so right about what was done in the past versus today. And I think that's where we get into some more popular discussions, but it's some easily critiqued uh, discussions as well. So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the hymn book is not scripture, right? Um, the, the hymn book, in fact, uh, a lot of times, depending on which one you're using, doesn't even have that old of music in it. I mean, uh, my dad used to joke around about, you know, he grew up um, traditional Catholic and, and he can go Gregorian chant, you know, how traditional do you want to go? Yeah. Um, and I've sang Gregorian chant in college in choirs. And so um, generally I, I, I appreciate lots of different types of music. 
But I do think um, some of the value uh, that you see in the tradition of, of having a hymnal was a uh, necessary slowness to the adoption of new music, which uh, as you get older, you generally, uh, you know, it's really interesting too, because if you talk to our parents' generation, right, somebody in their uh, mid sixties, uh, their, uh, their youth uh, was some of that great music, Woodstock into the seventies. And you'll, you'll just remember these great uh, bands and, and, and this time and, and they have the oldies that they love. And I found out that, uh, you know, for myself, you really, I have a period of uh, time that uh, either growing up, uh, coming out of adolescence, uh, my mind was uh, locking into music and that music stays with you your whole life. And I, I yeah. knew that I had arrived into parenthood and old age when I went to a jumping castle place and all the music was 1998 to 2005. And I'm like, this is fabulous. You know, like, exactly. I, I'm just rocking out to this music that the kids don't care about. But I'm like, it's finally hit where I'm the target uh, of this music. And it's just kind of funny. Um, but I think there's a little bit of that as well with um, uh, Christian music and worship. And you do want to resonate with the music uh, at a certain point. I, I think there has to be some kind of brain development in music that locks it in at a certain age. Um, but the reality is with, with a hymnal, when we used to have to print these every 20 to you know, 30 years, you would only have like a window of about 20 years of new music that you'd have to bring in, but you could only bring in so much because of size that you would discard some music that was really old or that just never caught on that, you know, was thought was going to be timeless and turned out not to be. Uh, and then you bring in some new music. And so what happens is kind of in 20 year segments, you would bring in the new, uh, refresh the old, and you would have a songbook that's shared by all the families. And I think that's really helpful because uh, it, it helped bind the people of God from the young to the old, and you would learn the old songs, and you, of course, would have some of your favorites, right? And I, I think that that has been lost, and um, depending on the age of your congregation, there's a drive to be more up-to-date on music, and um, you have to move faster and faster on some of these things. Um, and again, the, the hard part I see is that intergenerational uh, struggle, because the truth is I don't listen to new music anymore. I've, I've reached that fuddy duddy, um, talk radio age where I don't really listen to songs. I just listen to the news mm -hmm. and I, I look at the songs that I'll play on a Sunday morning, which we do a blended. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you're one of the blended types, <laughs> but our blended is a blended of, we have the, the old hymns and some of the newer stuff, but the newer stuff for me is not that, that new anymore because I have ceased to learn new music. I, I kind of. I, I totally hit that late, um, to, you know, early 2000s. And, um, and the truth is most of my congregation, the adults are closer to my age or older and, and they still, you know, shout to the Lord, you know, that's a new and wonderful. I have <laughs> banned that. Well, now actually that snuck through more recently, but that's like, yeah. that's one of the sets. Like if it's from the early nineties, like we have to, the eighties and the nineties, I'm like, we need to move on <laughs> because I don't know if there were any real keepers from those decades. Yeah, Can you yeah, think of any keepers? Well, again, I mean, Shout to the Lord's a great song uh, in terms of there's nothing unbiblical in the lyrics. Um, but, no. you know, it's just uh, and I used to joke around like, you know, all these hard like rockers from the 60s and 70s that, you know, talk about Woodstock and, and then they all got saved and they gravitated towards uh, really a lot of them to that Midwestern uh, Gaither <laughs> yeah. music. I'm like, how, how do you go from Led Zeppelin to, you know, um, the, these bands and these uh, quintets? And it's really interesting because I think, especially for that generation, there was a recognition of 
not only was it different styles, one style reflected something secular and perhaps evil, and another style reflected something um, holy. And really, you can have the style change quite a bit, but there was more of a clear delineation between uh, style and worship. Uh, and I think it's good that that's broken down. But um, yeah, I mean, again, what, what songs are timeless from that era and what songs aren't? And then um, again, uh, today, what, what songs are going to actually be timeless? Because, yeah. you know, is, if you and actually go to like, like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, today it's like impossible to keep up because it's, it's just a, there is a critique, I think. And it, it hit me when I was reading. There's that book. Was it called Why Every Man or Why Men Hate Going to Church? Yeah. Um, that that's an interesting book with some interesting insights in it about, you know, the the feminizing of our worship service. And I thought he made some valid points. One of the things he talked about is he drew the, the, the connection between he says there's a connection between who listens to Christian radio primarily. Right. Who is that reaching target audience? Who are they playing, writing songs to reach? Uh, and uh, and that then filters into the church and then uh, and he talks about a need for some masculine songs which i you know up to a point i i think there's there's some probably uh maybe there is a little bit of um uh, i i think an agreement there uh that i share with him on that um but then again you know you'll look and you'll say okay a lot of these are feminized songs right where you think about uh the, the, and it's a real critique a absolutely real critique which is um, and I, and I don't know how I jumped from to this, but, you know, talk about, the, oh, he was talking about the music industry. Like you have to crank this stuff out all the time, all the time. And it always ties into the market, right? Who is it yeah. for? It's for who's going to play it. How's it going to be played? We think we don't forget. We don't, uh, we don't think about there's a money behind all of this stuff too. But anyways, you think about, um, you know, the, the major critique that I think about a lot of modern day worship is, um, besides the seven eleven, right? The seven words repeated 11 times, which I think there is some aspect of that in the older, when I say the older, like 20, 30 years ago, kind of worship stuff. Um, but I think there is something to be said about, you know, the depth of the worship song that I'm singing. So as can I, in my song that I'm singing, uh, does it depict a kind of, um, like a relationship with Jesus that if you plucked Jesus or God out could sound like you were singing to your girlfriend or your boyfriend, right? Um, those are the kind of things that I think are pretty accurate uh, that there are many that as you listen to them, you think, um, dude, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, you remember the band Lifehouse uh, yeah, and they had, yeah. they sang some stuff and Lifehouse was one of those ones. Like, are you, what, who is this for? And you find out, no, we wrote that about God. And you're like, oh, dude, that sounds like that was written to your girl, right? Yeah, and, and the music video was you and a girl. And then you, yeah. you know, try to stretch it over too. But but we're a Christian band. It's about God and, you know. So, I mean, but that's like, I think that's a major real critique yeah. of that. Um, so I'll throw that out there because I have something else, a follow-up to that afterwards. Any thoughts on that piece? Yeah, I, I think, and here's another advantage, again, of, of the hymnal. Um, if it was done well, you typically had um, a board of pastors and theologians that would kind of vet some of the music and hopefully guard against, you know, heretical music getting yeah. into the collection. Um, so the Baptist hymnal, you know, is going to be primarily sponsored by Baptist uh, preachers and thinkers. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that they always did a perfect job. Um, but you know, that, that's another advantage I, I see because as a worship leader in college, trying to keep up with, you know, whatever David Crowder's popping out from week to week, um, because college students needed a new song and they were going to the concerts and whoever, whichever Christian club could push out the, the new Crowder song, right. Or the new, uh, Tomlin song or, or whichever artist you liked, um, you know, whoever could push it out the first, they were going to be the popular Christian club. And it kind of was, uh, even at the time you knew it was silly, but you got caught up in it. Um, the reality is not every song that every Christian artist puts out today uh, really merits um, or warrants singing of the whole body of Christ, you know, Absolutely. because they're putting out stuff that, that again, in certain contexts means certain things. I, I remember the Crowder song, uh, there's a intoxicated um, and he's comparing, you know, basically being intoxicated on the Holy Spirit. And I, I get the metaphor. He's talking about, you know, don't be um, drunk on wine, which leads to dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Well, my view of that verse is that those are opposites, uh, that, that you're running away from drunkenness and lack of control towards self-discipline, which is a fruit of the spirit. But theologically, the way that Crowder does that song, it's, it's like, rather than be drunk, I'm going to be intoxicated on the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. I, I, I went to uh, Christian meetings where that song is being sung. And I'm like, I don't, I, I think that's bad doctrine. Now yeah. feel free comment. If you hate my view on that, that's, that's fine. The, well, the reality is yeah, um, it can be understood in a negative light. And, you know, you, you need a, a group of people that get their heads together to say, okay, what, what songs are worthy of corporate worship uh, and that are going to teach and undergird good theological doctrine. So, yeah, I think um, I think that that's that's the benefit of something is you had essentially gatekeepers who I mean, look, some of that stuff doesn't sound great, but is it meant to be theological? Sure. Yeah. And, and that that's the job of the worship pastor should be today, especially if you're not tied to that is sifting through these lyrics you and that your pastor should have a sense of like, what are these? Like what you hope will never happen is that the words that go up on the screen are not ones that you have to pray through and say, God, please forgive us for putting that up, you know, or I don't agree with this or anything like that. Like you don't want controversy. And that's something that is definitely in a lot of songs today is because there's, I guess there's two aspects too, right? Which is one is, were these ever meant to be sung? in a congregational setting, or are they just Christian and you've said, well, that was great. It was on the radio. Uh, and the other piece is, you know, these people could be totally off, like, like Bethel church, man. Those are ones like I've, we've kind of made a rule. I've said, if it comes from Bethel, I really don't, I'm, I'm suspect of them. And I do think, you know, there's a debate in some that say, should we even play these songs that even if they might sound good or they might have some good theology to them, if it's a gateway into deeper into their music, right? Then you find more of their stuff and you're like, man, and into their community and into their teachings as well, right? So I think that's another issue that you have to think. Like I, you know, if you look at the hymns, like you just see some, some people's names, often they're all dead. Uh, and, you know, it's like, okay, and I don't even know who these people are. But now, you know, as you're doing it today, you could say, oh, I love that song. I want to go on YouTube and I'm going to find them. And then you get sucked into kind of like, I'm going to listen to everything they sing and and want to find out more about what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, th there is that other practical piece of a, a, a hymn kind of helps you do that. But I truth is, I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle at this point. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a you're going to go back towards 
a him because of your phones, even in things like that. And your screens, we've been programmed for, I don't think going back to a hard copy book that we pay for somebody to do, I think that's it's switched to the role of the pastor and his worship leader to guard the gate on that. Not just that the, the Baptist hymnal people. Well, and I, I think, I think you're right on that. Um, I mean, I, I'm always loving the idea of trying to get the genie back in the bottle or, or trying to do some things that would um, help a little bit offset some of the problems, right? Uh, which I, I would say, you know, a challenge to worship leaders uh, today is um, try, to, try to think multi-generational, try to pace. I mean, if you're, if you're doing a new song every week, the reality is nobody can learn a new song every week. And, and so um, you're not actually building a, a database of worship for your church, you're performing. Because you, we've all been to church and it's the new song Sunday and everybody's kind of humming along and nobody knows it unless you heard it on the radio and you, you know, or sorry, does anyone listen to the radio anymore? Um, but the reality is um, we, we've got to start thinking in terms of uh, these are the songs of our congregation, mm-hmm. not a cool new song I just like. And, and again, we'll try new songs out here and there, but a lot of the times they're, they're, they're not going to be lasting, you know, and, and you can actually go and just Google like top songs of the last 20 years. And you're going to find out that there's about 15 that have stuck around multi years. And those are probably the ones that would have made the next hymnal. I don't know if there'll ever be another hymnal for the Baptist. I, I, the reality is 2007 was the last one and nobody bought it because they all had screens. Um, but if you go to the 2007 hymnal, there's a lot of songs that you and I would know that, that are praise and worship that made it. And yeah. it's kind of amazing because I would be very satisfied with that hymnal at my age, but I'm also recognizing it's 15 years later. And we're, we're probably within five years of really needing a new hymnal, which would incorporate the last uh, 15 to 20 years of worship and yeah. uh, find those, you know, uh, gems blessed be by Matt Redmond, which church doesn't sing that, you know, pretty, pretty you know, again, I, I, I live in a certain culture and yeah, maybe, maybe, hey I, man, that's a good I'm, one. That's straight I'm, out of jail. maybe I'm You're speaking good. for many, but that's one that would make the next hymnal. Right. I think and, so. And you can name a few. Um, uh, my chains are, are gone. You know, that th- these have lasted for a decade. That's already. another video. Another time. Should you mess with the hymns, right. <laughs> or leave them alone. Chris Tomlin. That's it. I mean, he, that's really, that's he's had some title. winners, you know, and again, I, it's a way of trying to bring that together, but it doesn't always work. Right. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I'll kick it back over to you again. Yeah. I, I think we could talk about this. We'll probably oh, man. Know, come back to it. We got a lot because one thing I want to go into is that discussion in another video. I want to go into the discussion of a theology of hymns um, and a theology of modern worship, too, because I do think I want to explore a little bit more on um, on this masculine feminine approach, because the, the truth is that stuff's in the other hymnal, too. And so it's yeah. not it's not a. I, I think that stuff's been in the hymnals for a while, but I do think it's a real problem. Um, you know, so, uh, there's that, I think the theological stuff that's in there. I think the other thing about hymns that you have talked about is, is, you know, um, kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, um, you, there's stuff that's in there that has nothing to do with God. Uh, and I think it's stuff that you and I've touched on before, which is the extent that which we are citizens of this country, uh, and our love for our country, but where does that line get drawn between what I do in my worship service and what I sing to versus, um, you know, you know, th- there's, there's those pieces as well. Um, and then I, I, I really think that, um, I do, I I'm hopeful as we talk about this stuff that there are, um, there is, I think being a swing back to 
understand, you know, to to good, deep theological music that's coming out right now. Um, and I do think that uh, like if you look at like Sovereign Grace Worship that's out of um, I think they're in Louisville. Um, they have got they've got some stuff, I think, of um, the uh, the the Gettys. Um, they have got some great stuff like there is a resurgence that's coming and it some of it sounds very much like the old stuff. Um, but the thing, the beauty of it is they lyrics teach you something. Right. And to me, you know, I, my worship leader is my worship leader is phenomenal. She and I um, sat down probably about a year ago and we made a list of criteria for what gets in, what doesn't. And we evaluate, we try to evaluate old and new. And so there are some oldies that will never come back because they don't fit the criteria. But a big one for us is what are we teaching about God, right? These songs should teach us something about who he is. Um, they should teach us about what we should do. They should be, there should be something in those. And if they, if there's not right, if it's just, you know, we want to sing it because I remember it and it feels good. Um, yeah. That may not be the time to sing it in worship. It, it might be time to let it go. Let that be a favorite you can sing on the side, but not from a congregational. And so I think that if we're going to do this and think through it, I think that really we need to take a, a, a knife to all of it and really go through and say what is on the chopping block and what isn't. And we should have some way for a church to think through, like, why would I pick this or why would I let it go? Um, and it needs to be the oldies and the newbies, right? Those all need to be evaluated from the same uh, perspective, because I don't think a church is going to have, like I said, we're not going to get the Baptist hymnal committee. So it's going to be on you. It's going to be on me. It's going to be on us with our worship leaders uh, of kind of creating a, a kind of a lens through which we are to do this because we need to build the flock with music. We need music. Um, how do you do that? What do we do it with? What are the guiding principles? I think we should have those um, to help evaluate our songs and how we depict God and how we depict the faith. Um, what do they teach? You know, one thing I will say this, this is just another throw, throw out. It's a side cut, but it's just something that came to me. I, I did love about the hymnal that, you know, depending on the, the topic that you're preaching, you can kind of go and find out here's one. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm amazed at the ability of my worship leader to still match, even though we're not a hymnal group, right? That she knows, and granted, I'm going exegetically through the scriptures, but she knows where I'm at to bring that in. And then there's always some sort of a connection that's coming. So I don't know how they do that or whatnot, whether she's got, uh, they do some of that in the, the way of the, you know, our worship catalog you find online now. Um, but I do appreciate, I love, I don't think it always has to, but I love when it does, right. With the, some yeah. of the songs tie in with where you're going exegetically with the message back to you. Well, yeah, I think we're we're kind of hitting our time for the day, but we've got a lot that we can do. And uh, so expect another part on this one. I, I would say that we kind of jumped into the, the discussion. And obviously, um, I think we got to talk about the biblical undergirdings a little bit because of uh, OTXNT. That's what we do. Old Testament, New Testament. And obviously, you mm -hmm. have the whole book of Psalms, which was the hymnal of the Israelite people. Also scripture, you know, so it's special. We never discard the Psalms. Um, but then we also have the New Testament. Um, Ephesians 5 uh, tells us, speak to one another in spiritual psalms, hymns, sorry, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. The, like you said, we need the songs because this is part of Christian worship from the beginning. 
And uh, so I think it'd be fun to do another part to this, maybe more than one. Um, but just before we close, this is biblical <laughs> and it's both old and new. Uh, I'll hand it over to you and I'll let you say anything and then close us out. No, man, I, I don't want to say more. I think, like I said, we've dipped into some of the issues already. Just kind of throwing it out just by kind of hitting popular critiques. Um, like I said, I think in our next one, we need to look. I, I think it, I think there is a real question we should probably even think about is why do I need music? Right. Do do you need it? You know, kind of some people don't. Right. They don't. They just do the message. Um, or I think the, the, the you know, you're going to err on what side. Some people barely any message in all music. Um, and then, you know, you want to throw this. How long should we be singing? I don't know. Those are all fun ones, too. But I've got my notes now because, man, I've got a, tons of ideas. Now, this could be fun. Um, but that's it. Let's let's leave it at that. We'll drop this one in and we'll hit back and go through some of that stuff as we uh, do it next time. Ready to close out? Yep. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Thank you for watching another episode of OTXNT. We will see you later. All right. God bless. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.